Hello, everybody. I'm Mark Robison. I'm a candidate for the North Carolina State Senate representing Charlotte's District 39. I'm also your host for the Elephant in the Room podcast, and this is where we tackle issues that so many of you are thinking about, but no one seems to be talking about. And today's podcast is a tale of two cities, Charlotte versus Raleigh. We're really going to kind of look back at the urban rivalry that has helped make North Carolina, drum roll please, number one in business in the United States. This is from CNBC just a couple of weeks ago. Very exciting. Uh, And I'm very excited to have as my guest, former North Carolina governor and the longest serving mayor in Charlotte history, Pat McCrory. Governor, thank you so much for being here. It's an honor to be on. Great subject. So I'm a native North Carolinian. I've spent the last 25 years in Charlotte. I did spend some of my banking career in Texas, spent a lot of time in California. When I lived in Dallas, Dallas hated Houston. I mean, and I'd go to Houston for work and they hated Dallas. You know, California's got the rivalry of San Francisco versus L.A. uh, All over the place. It seems like every state's got this. Why is there a rivalry between Charlotte and Raleigh? Well, first of all, the rivalry is now expanded beyond just Raleigh and Charlotte because both Raleigh and Charlotte have done so well for the past 20 years. Now our rivalry expands beyond the state borders. In fact, as mayor, I started seeing a rivalry used to be Raleigh, but then it expanded to Raleigh. I mean, I mean, to Atlanta, to Nashville, to Austin, to Denver, to Indianapolis, um, all those types of new Sunbelt cities that are expanding and growing. And so 20 years ago, we'd only think of Raleigh when, in fact, now Raleigh is one of many main competitors. And that's happened to Raleigh, too. Raleigh used to only think, oh, our our competition is in-state. When, in fact, job recruiters don't really think of the state. They think of the city. And sometimes we're in the final three, and Raleigh and Charlotte are part of of the final three, but the real competition is, say, Austin and Nashville right now, or Atlanta or Jacksonville and cities like that. So that kind of shows that we've moved beyond this inner North Carolina rivalry to something much bigger in the past 20 to 25 years. And you've got to remember, 30 to 40 years ago, our main competition was Richmond, Greenville, Greensboro, uh, midtown city. So that's how much both Raleigh and Sh- and uh, Charlotte have exploded. So I never looked within during my 10 years governor and during my last eight years as mayor, I never saw Raleigh as an individual competitor that I thought alone. I thought of them as a much broader uh component of my competition yeah yeah i mean i remember uh back in the late 90s it seems like everybody said oh we got to beat atlanta we got to beat atlanta and then all of a sudden under your tenure i mean we were the second we became the second largest banking center in the united states and all of a sudden it was wait a minute new york so uh you're right i mean it seems like it's much more regional than it has become than it you know just the state but for so you know as a historian nerd like i am i love looking back and kind of seeing yeah I think the media likes to make a bigger deal out of it than a lot of people think about it. In fact, if anything, uh, I anticipate Greensboro area becoming part of that rivalry down the, the road. Triad. 
And to like Greenville, South Carolina has now become a tough competitor. The whole Greenville Spartanburg region, like the triad, like the triangle, like Charlotte. But we also have to realize, as you know, Charlotte and Raleigh are totally different cities because I don't look at Raleigh by itself. I look at it as the triangle because it's really Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. area and even Burlington's now kind of moving into that area or into Greensboro and Charlotte's kind of a city onto its own much more centralized so when industries are looking I'd say Charlotte is more of a headquarter city yep. and Raleigh is more of a city that attaches research because of the universities NC State Duke Wake Forest I mean Duke and uh, UNC Chapel Hill absolutely and that's the real difference Raleigh is more a government university city connected to the private sector Charlotte is more pure business city 100 percent so it's it's like a, a a whole is greater than some of its parts we're so different that that's probably one of the reasons and, and I'll talk about that in a minute why we have become such a powerhouse of a state. But I mean, I was just thinking that that I can't think of anybody that's got a more unique perspective on this. Um, I mean, you were Charlotte's longest serving. You're the most successful, the most popular mayor in our city's history. I mean, you got reelected six times. You were in there for 14 years and seven, seven, two year terms. I mean, incredible. Um, And then you went on to be the 74th governor of North Carolina. However, um, and this is politics aside, you're only the fifth governor. And I, I did a little research, again, the history nerd in me. You are only the fifth governor from Charlotte since the American Revolution. And you're the only former mayor of Charlotte to become governor. So, hey, you know, how come so few Charlotteans make it to the governor's mansion? And again, political uh, parties aside. Almost every governor's track has been up through state government even state through state legislature, attorney general, lieutenant governor. I think the only two exceptions in my lifetime are Jim Martin and myself, both from Charlotte. Jim Martin was a county commissioner. Then he went to Congress. Then he went to the governor's office. I went through the mayor, city council, mayor, and then governor. And frankly, both Jim and I were considered outsiders in the Raleigh state capital environment because we didn't earn our way. A lot of the people Uh, who are state legislators or attorney general, lieutenant governor going, wait a minute, you're not going through the normal path that is expected of a governor to go through. (laughs) I got that. I got that. Who in the hell is this mayor, especially from Charlotte? coming to Raleigh expecting to be a governor. And Richard Van Root and several other mayors have gone through that same trial and tribulation. Right. And um, I felt that even as governor, where some of the state legislators were going, you don't deserve to be here. And they were from my own party because I didn't go through the track. And you've got to see that's a kind of a, you know, a lot of state senators and members of the House and council state, they expected to be governor, not some guy from the outside. Well, you know, but the problem is, of course, that I mean, you have you had the experience of being an executive. I mean, for goodness, Mm -hmm. 15 years. Isn't that kind of what we're looking for or shouldn't that be what states and our and our nation should be looking for? I think that's one of the weaknesses we have right now in the White House and in as governor that very few people have been governor um, or been president have come from uh, they come from Washington. Right. And uh, I think we're paying for that today. Right. That Joe, Joe Biden's only experience is Washington, D.C., and he acts like it. 
and you know, frankly, Roy Cooper's experience is Raleigh centric and state government centric. And usually if you come in from an outsider, like I did, you're more of a change agent and many change agents only last one term as I did, because I stepped on the toes of a lot of the traditional state government um, norms of both Republicans and Democrats. And if you remember when I was governor, I stepped on the toes of a lot of Republicans, too, because I yes. questioned certain hirings or certain committees or uh, separation of powers because I didn't come from the, the state capital world. And you got to remember, the state capital world is different from Raleigh. There's Raleigh, the state capital and Raleigh, the city. Right. And you, I learned as both governor and as a candidate, you have to separate the two. Um, and they are. That's two a good point. That's a good point. I mean, you think about when I mentioned Dallas and Houston and San Francisco and L.A., they aren't state capitals. I mean, we we our rivalry has kind of been the biggest city, the largest economic engine versus the state capital. So I can see what you're saying. you got to separate the two. Um, so I grew up in Asheville, about two hours west of here. We always looked at Charlotte as kind of the shining city on the hill. I mean, that's where the jobs are. Look at those skyscrapers. Look at the banks. Wow, this is amazing. Um, nobody had any condescending words towards Charlotte. And then, you know, 25 years ago, I get to Charlotte and all of a sudden I find out if you are east of here, it's a different story. Um, and I started learning this phrase. Uh, and maybe this is really antiquated and maybe I am being too historical, but you know, I, I started hearing this phrase, the great state of Mecklenburg, and that was never said in a positive way. It's more condescending and sarcastic. Why do people, I guess, east of here or maybe some other places, why do they call us that? I think it's a political terms to try to get a political advantage. It is condescending. Yeah. Uh, very similar to politicians using the term liberal or conservative or rhino or extremist. I, I found that when I went to Raleigh, um, you know, the people who said it would say it in kind of a snide ma- matter to get an upper hand on debates, because you've ah. got to remember their their rural constituents don't give a damn about Charlotte either. But you find out a lot of their constituents, sons and daughters live in Charlotte. Yes. So that's what's changed also in the last 20 years is that a lot of the more rural small town constituents who had no connectivity to Charlotte, in fact, many had never been there. Their children or grandchildren now are working there. And I saw that dramatically change during the last 10, 15 years where, you know, I'd go to Kinston or, or Dunn or New Bern. And many of those people had never been to Charlotte, but um, their kids and grandkids now live there. Isn't that and incredible? So they, they started going there during the last two or three generations. So I've seen that change, but I got to tell you a quick story. I was at, at the mountains right at the Tennessee border one time in 2008, and it was a fundraiser with a bluegrass band and it was on a top mountain overlooking the Tennessee border. Mild neck and I came blues. up to one of the uh, bluegrass band members, bluegrass band members. And I said, uh, so have you ever, um, have you ever been outside the state? He said, no, no, sir. Well, only twice, once to Tennessee and once to Charlotte. (laughs) (laughs) That does not surprise me a bit. (laughs) But you've got to remember that, you know, you've got rural legislators or legislators that have rural areas. A lot of the rural counties are losing population. Yes. In North Carolina. While North Carolina booms, it's primarily booming in the metro areas. Yeah. And primarily Wake, Mecklenburg and the surrounding areas. 
a lot of rural counties are losing population right now as we speak. And they're hurt, yeah. as you know. And you're you're having to debate those people. What? Water sewer? We haven't got water sewer. Right. Uh, technology? Web? We haven't got any of that for our schools. So, you know, while we pay more in taxes to the revenue of the state, they're just trying to keep their head above water. And that's where you've got to be aware of the difference between the two. Those states that are gaining populations dealing with growing pains, which Charlotte and Raleigh and Durham are doing, right? and those parts of the state that are dealing with dying pains, both are different types of pain. Oh, wow, yeah. And both are difficult to deal with. Now, I personally would rather have growing pains, but the people who have dying pains go, we wish we had traffic problems. Yeah. I, I, you know, it, yeah, because all of a sudden you see, you know, dust balls going by and there's the town has completely dried up. It's oh, true. You see houses that are vacant and they can't sell them. You know, old farm, you know, the third, fourth, fifth generation of farmers can't find the next the next generation of their kids have moved to Charlotte or Raleigh. My dad grew up in Canton, which is, you know, yeah. close to Tennessee. And that town, the only thing there is a mill and that town is yeah. up. I mean, it's from east to west. Um but you do mention infrastructure. You do mention, you know, I guess uh, what uh, the, the towns are drying up. There's, you know, you were mentioning what's sewer and water, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I've got to, you know, I'm running to represent this city in Raleigh. I don't feel like it's been properly represented in a long, long time. And I so just delving into data, I mean, 20 percent, actually, it's more than 20 percent of North Carolina's tax revenue comes from here, comes from Mecklenburg County, one county out of 100. We're the largest economic, <coughs> largest city in the state. Obviously, you and I are biased a little bit, I'm sure, towards Charlotte. But, you know, I don't feel like that money finds its way back to Charlotte. Raleigh, a good example is Raleigh's almost finished building its second loop around the city, and it's less than half our size. And we're working on our first loop still down in, in uh, on 485. I looked at the uh, North Carolina Department of Transportation website yesterday, shows that Charlotte has 12 major road projects going on and Raleigh has 22. So, again, back to the rivalry. Why is that? Why is that? <laughs> well, first of all, most state capitals have better roads. You know why? Shocker. So state legislators <laughs> get in and out and go home. Ah, yes. Okay. So if you go to Columbus, Ohio or well Indianapolis. Said. Or Sacramento, they tend to have better roads because the state legislators drive on them, whether they're from the east or the west or the right. Piedmont area. They need to get in and out of Raleigh, and they're more aware of the state capital than they are others. Now, as governor, I changed the formula for roads because I saw the same bias. Right. And it used to be the roads went where the powerful politicians were. And that's why. In a lot of towns, you'd go through a small town and all of a sudden it's eight lanes. And then you go back to two lanes when you get near the metro centers. And that I changed blows all my that. mind. It yeah, blows well, my I mind. changed that. There's now formula, which I'm a little concerned the current governor and even some state legislators want to change or bypass the rules. But we put a formula in which basically took the power out of the legislature to build roads based upon volume of traffic safety Shocker. items and economic development needs. It's actually a formula. And I passed it my first year. I don't think it could ever pass again. I mean, and I got the Republicans practical. and Democrats to agree to that. 
So, so you're basically, you were looking at practical usage rather than, I mean, I, I love, and again, I grew up in Asheville, I-26 from Asheville up to Johnson City, Tennessee is a beautiful interstate. It's six lanes and very, I, I don't, every time I've driven on it, I'm the, sometimes the only car, but that's from a long time ago. And it seems well, like. Well, it was probably named after a state legislator. Aha. Who was chairman of the transportation committee in that part of Tennessee. Oh and had a lot God. of seniority. Yeah, you're you're probably right. It's like Robert Byrd Highway in West Virginia. Oh, shock there. Yeah. So um, that's that's how it, that's how road building worked up until I yeah. became governor. So I think you're seeing now a lot more road projects in the metro area, not at the expense of the rural areas, because I tried to convince the rural areas that if you can't get into the metro areas you're going to have a tough time recruiting industry because industry in the rural areas have to connect to the airports in Raleigh, Greensboro and Winston. Right. Right. And other transportation commerce needs. And that argument is very convincing. And right now we're seeing that we're seeing surrounding counties of Charlotte and Raleigh all of a sudden start booming and right. the real estate's going up. You see Rowan County now exploding. Yeah. Uh, you see Stanley County finally starting to grow because it's been kind of in no man's land. Yeah. Um, you want Ashboro to grow outside of Greensboro. We've got a better highway going to Ashboro, but that's been kind of in nowhere's land off of 80. It's not directly on 85 or 40 or 77. So to me, the greatest challenge we have in both the towns that are dealing with growing pains and dying pains is build the infrastructure. And right. um, that's where I put my emphasis is, as governor is and as mayor is infrastructure. Well, thank goodness for that. I mean, I think a lot of people in this state will will be the first to tell you you planted a lot of seeds, thankfully, uh, that got us to a place where we are today again. And that really gets me to a positive note. I know I've been a little negative towards Raleigh, so I should stop that, especially if I ever get elected and end up spending time there. Well, maybe you'll be the next governor from this region. Hey, well, great. yeah, I would be following that uh, the typical path, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, well, on that positive note, thinking about CNBC, we're ranked the number one state in business again. I honestly, I think that's seeds that you have planted. Um, but what is the fierce competition? This this incredible competition between, I guess, all of the cities really. Um, it's made us that number one state. I mean, with the rise of banking during, you know, in Charlotte during your tenure as mayor, the Raleigh Triangle areas like you talked about earlier, growth and bio and tech. I mean, how has this made us such a, a powerful, uh, a powerhouse on the national stage? I mean, we're better state for business now than Texas and Florida, and that came really as a happy surprise to me. Well, we've been in the top three for the past decade, um, and it's. How that's rated is a little questionable, but um, I want to thank John Scavarla, who recently passed away, my Commerce Secretary, and, and Sharon Decker. They really laid the table for a lot of the rule changes we made in economic development. We did the major tax reform, too, which made our corporate tax rate and our income tax rate much more competitive. And we got passed through the legislature after a lot of tough negotiations. So we became more tax friendly. I think the biggest thing is quality of life. But the, the biggest challenge we have to continue this trend is infrastructure and education. And I'm worried right now with our school system. We have a lot of people deserting our public school system. 
And businesses are going to start seeing that. And you saw that in the Rust yeah. Belt states where schools just started disintegrating. It's and awful. people had to go to private schools to get what mm-hmm. they needed. And I think our biggest two challenges is K through 12 and also our roads and possible uh, trains and light rail. Finding money for that to keep up with the growth. Because if you don't, we will choke just like the Rust Belt cities did 50, 60 years ago right. or 100 years ago. And uh, the quality of life will go downhill and they'll go look elsewhere. So affordability, quality of life, and also public safety. I'm very concerned since I've been mayor of crime rate. I took the crime rate down by a huge percentage of the murder rate down over 50%. Yeah, you did. And now I'm starting to see that we're making the same mistakes that Atlanta, Portland, Seattle, L.A., San Francisco, and Charlotte Raleigh. We're letting the homeless sleep on the streets. We're letting the murder rate go up. We're letting gangs take over. And if that happens, that economic development and jobs will shut down because people will find a safer place for their families and a better place for their schools. Yes, they will. You know, I think you have, and and really the last question I was going to ask you, I think you've already answered it, but it's my favorite part of the segment where I say, hey, if you could wave a magic wand, over our state, make us a permanent fixture, um, keep us at number one for the next two decades, what would it be? Would it be the things that you've just mentioned? I would say build sustainable long-term infrastructure that's a 50 to 100-year plan. 50 to 100-year plan, anticipating growth. Don't build your overpasses where they'd have to be expanded within 15, 20 years. Build them now wide enough for future expansion without wasting billions of dollars. And the second is allow as much school choice and school opportunity as possible uh, for especially the middle class, um, because I'm concerned. Look at here in Charlotte. We have we have people actually in our urban school systems leaving our school system. They gave me projections of Charlotte uh, school system, Mecklenburg and Wake that were much bigger than reality every budget year. And what they didn't anticipate is people moving to outlying counties or going to private schools or charter schools. People are leaving our public school system and you've got to recognize it's for a reason. Right. And um, that's my biggest concern right now, especially in urban areas, because all you have to do is look at the Cleveland's, the Phillies, the Boston's of the world that had the booms In the 50s, 60s. And now they started dying, too. Yep, they sure did. And we're I don't want to become Atlanta either. No. (laughs) And so Asheville, Austin, Charlotte, Raleigh better not repeat the mistakes of the boom towns of the 50s and 60s. Boy, isn't that the truth? That is so true. And high taxes, too, where we if we start raising taxes and make it so expensive to live, industry will find another place. They always do. They always do. Um, and and they're already, I mean, look at Greenville, South Carolina is a heck of a competitor. That's an underrated city. It's amazing when you visit oh, for what they've done. It's a great mayor there and yep. uh, it's great for manufacturing. They have land, but we're seeing manufacturing land run out in the larger counties. So I anticipate the future. Greenville, North Carolina is going to do good. Wilmington and Ash are exploding now and right. they've got major infrastructure issues right <laughs> that's for sure and i anticipate the triad uh greensboro winston high point especially high point has so much more room to expand they just need some stronger leadership 
to take advantage of the incredible highway system that they have there. They you know, do. That's the intersection of I-40 and I-85 to the rest of the world, to the rest of the nation. Exactly. Right through the triad. And I'm seeing announcements for the triad all yeah. the time now. This this is a well. This has just been a fantastic conversation. I, I can't thank you enough, Governor. Um, can I get you back on here again? Sometime? Anytime, anytime. I'm very impressed. And thanks that for is, your service in the state. You're the lone Republican. And by the way, one of the problems we have in Raleigh yeah. is to help Charlotte. You're it. <laughs> I tell you, we've got so, actual representation. So the other Republicans go. Why should I help? You know, there's some partisanship there. We need a reminder in Raleigh that there's a big city just west and it's named Charlotte. So I'm hoping to go and help out uh, John Bradford. He's our only Republican from Mecklenburg County up there. Yep, John so. is. And um, yeah. that has an impact, too. And right now, all the urban we've the Republicans have lost the urban areas. I, I may be, sadly, the last Republican mayor of Charlotte or of any big city in North yeah. Carolina. Look I, at that. Asheville, Charlotte, Raleigh, Greensboro, Chapel Hill. We used to have Republican mayors. It's true. It's true. Well, I got to tell of course, you, we used to have low crime there, too. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to get there again. I believe it. I believe I it. Think so. I really appreciate uh, your time. And, and guys, uh, thanks for listening. Until next time, have a great day and always be on the lookout for the elephant in the room. 